1: Welcome to the Sheer Lights Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Becky Hull, Harriet Russell and Lou Ha. Hi everyone. Hi. Hi. I'm actually going to just monopolise this myself, I'm afraid, because I've got a recommendation and I'm scared somebody else is going to recommend it for <laughs> me. <laughs> so I'm just going to go first, sorry. I binge watched this weekend Cheer on Netflix, which is a new documentary, which I feel like I hadn't heard of a week ago and now everywhere I look, everybody's talking about it. It's a six-part documentary about a cheerleading team in the States, they are 13 times collegiate national champions. And they were all documented by a film crew in the kind of two-month build-up to the 2019 National Championship in Daytona Beach. And so obviously they were punting for their 14th National Championship. So they're Navarro College, which is just a junior college, which I didn't really understand the concept, but you can go to college there for two years. It's like an interim between high school and uni. And then they go on to other college. Anyway, so that's what they're doing there. They're all like 1920. And it's just a state community college in Texas, but they are... Some Of the best, and it basically follows the coach and the team as a whole, but obviously some kind of key figures within the team. And it's not cheerleading, I mean, there are no pom poms, that it's not a kind of bring it on situation. These people are like elite athletes, it's unreal what they can do. They're basically like a kind of combo of gymnasts and kind of circus skills, and and yeah, they fly really high basically. And there's a lot of backflipping, but basically, you just kind of follow the highs and lows of the preparation process a lot of them are from really troubled underprivileged backgrounds so like so many of these documentaries it doesn't matter whether you're interested in the subject matter or not ostensibly beforehand you know it's about cheerleading but it's not it's about these people and this will and this drive to be the best and to succeed and on top of all of that the physical feat of what they put themselves through. i feel like everybody likes watching a bit of gymnastics mm. don't they? Yeah. So, it's, so that side of things is incredible too and i just can't explain how good it is i shed so many tears watching it and I was actually reading some reviews of it before Stuart Heritage at The Guardian called it a breathtaking bone crunching nerve wracking magic which I think sums it up it's so good
2: is each episode focused on a different element of the build up or not really like it obviously
1: intensifies as it goes on each episode is a full hour long and there's a sort of focus on an individual from the team in each one but not I wouldn't say that like each episode is about a different person the key people who they've pulled out they go and kind of visit their families and there's a lot of background given there
2: and male and female Definitely wow. Yeah 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 Man and female The
1: girls are more impressive Than the guys Because they actually Have a harder job They're yeah. the ones doing The baskets and the pyramids And yeah. all kinds of other Technical lingo That you learn When you're watching it But also yeah The guys The strength in these people Like the stuff that they can do It's like not human What yeah. they're capable of They're all just amazing Wow. it's so good and has it got a character called Morgan in? yeah Morgan yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that's because oh, no, I don't know anything about this show but I just keep seeing Morgan pop up on my Instagram feed on people's <laughs> oh, stories she's like screenshotted like, this real underdog she's from like the saddest saddest background oh. and a lot of them get accepted onto the Navarro team having come from like other what's called all-star leagues and they kind of participate in different types of cheerleading as well whereas Morgan came from a completely amateur background and that's really unique and yeah she's this real underdog and she just works harder than any Anyone else, and oh. has I, yeah, I won't ruin anything. Of what happens to any of them, but there's some hideous injuries that you watch, and oh. there are these twists and turns. It's just brilliant. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I love every that's second are of they it. Tuning into yeah, next, you must.
0: Anyone else got anything to recommend? Do you know what, Charlotte? I thought we were going to compete on this one for a recommendation. I Sorry, know what you're going to say. Okay. <laughs> oh. I'm holding off. I'm holding off. <laughs> I'm going to treat myself to it this week.
1: I've so, already watched it, so uh, go for it, Becky. All, all of it. All of it.
0: Everyone's like, what is it? Sex Education 2. Yeah. Hit yeah. Netflix on Friday, and I'm already on episode six. How many are there this time? 8 Okay. Eight. Eight. I'm just, honestly, what is it about that show? It is so it's upbeat. so good. Oh, is the
1: season as good as the last?
0: Yes. yes. Oh, completely. oh, completely. It's just, the. Ca- I think, because everybody probably is very invested in the characters and I just love it it's so feel good when you just sort of want something to watch that's easy you don't always need to pay attention to everything but as I said yeah I'm so invested in the characters and I really want to see where this season takes them
2: do you need to have watched the first season I think so okay. yeah just to yeah of, I'd agree actually yeah
0: do. to understand all their relationships and see how they've progressed oh it's just so good
1: and so good like you should watch the first season yeah. yeah it's, season it's the TV best TV thing is so good. it's the
0: best thing on Netflix yeah I mean it's the first episode I was trying to Eat my dinner while watching <laughs> little t- there's, there's been a bit of reaction on yeah, social media uh, I over this.
1: okay, no, no spoilers no, no spoilers, spoilers but something but gross don't eat your
0: dinner I while you're watching yeah, the, the totally first a bit episode. graphic it's <laughs> like the opening montage yeah. isn't it but it's so good and the playlist to it is amazing I was just about to say the soundtrack yeah. is epic you know when you're watching something I think that's the thing everything about it is upbeat and the music comes on and it just really brings just sort of world to life in January yeah. it's brilliant Harriet you agree
3: yeah absolutely I love it I
0: just think that the actors in
3: it most of them are sort of you know apart from the names like Julian Anderson, a lot of the kid parts are relative unknowns, which will sort of feed into something I'm going to say about my own recommendation in a second. But I think it really makes a difference because mm-hmm. it means that in that first season, you really latch on to these characters as opposed to the actors behind them. Mm-hmm. And Asa Butterfield, I mean, he has experienced, he's been in other things, but he wasn't sort of a household name, I don't think. But he is after this. I think people just have really fallen in love with everything about the show. And I just think the way it's shot as well in that sort of Technicolor yeah um, so nostalgic yeah get, so yeah. cheering and the most frustrating but utterly excellent thing is the cliffhanger at the end i won't spoil it, but it at the
1: end yeah you'll just
3: you'll just be like i cannot believe we now have to wait oh, for
1: season
2: three i'm obsessed okay. i'm so, actually yeah. obsessed with yeah, it i've so, not so felt like stop. this about
0: a show in so long it's just one of those things you can watch again and again mm-hmm. i you never watched
2: it Mm-mm. So so i watched the- maybe the first one or first couple and I-, I don't know if i just wasn't quite in the mood but it didn't grab me and then, I know everyone's been talking about it, so maybe I just need to try it again. To be fair, yeah. Harry's the same.
0: He cannot get into it. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's funny, isn't it, how sometimes you differ. I
1: wonder if it's a bit girly. No, it's not girly This as a subject matter, but yeah. I can see it appealing more to girls than guys. Yeah. I agree. As a generalisation. I agree. And having said that, though, I think what they've done amazingly well, too, is
3: treat a lot of very, like, millennial subjects without it being sort of woke for the sake of Mm. it. So, you know, there's heterosexual relationships, there's homosexual relationships, there's race is sort of in there, um, disability is in there this season. But none of it feels like a cliche. None of it feels like the producers are just chucking something in to sort of tick a box or make sure that it's, you know, appropriate for these times. It just feels inclusive and Mm. it just feels what a modern TV show for you know, young adults should be. And yeah, they've done a great job. Couldn't agree more.
1: Harriet, you was like, us to recommend?
3: I did, yes. Which is one of the best films I think I've ever Ooh. seen, which is 1917. Oh, oh,
2: yes. I've heard it. such amazing things about yeah. it. And I was kind of like, oh, is it going to be one of those sort of long, depressing films? But actually, I really need to go and see it now.
3: Yeah, it's a really important film. That's yeah. what I'm going to say first and foremost. However, I did actually screenshot a review from the BBC on my phone for today because I thought actually... Ali Plum, who is the film critic there, summed it up sort of pretty perfectly, actually. So to put it in context before I read it, though, the plot, without giving anything away, is incredibly simple, which is based on a story that Sam Mendes heard from his own grandfather who fought in the war. Although none of this is based on true people. No one's playing real people. It's 1917, and in history, there was a retreat by the German army to the Hindenburg Line. And all of our sort of British expeditionary force thought this was an amazing thing, that the Germans were in retreat, and it was a real first sign that we could win the war. And so there was a real sort of gung-ho approach of we're going to push back. Unfortunately, it was a massive trap, and the Germans retreated to make it look like they were weaker, when in fact they weren't. They rigged a no-man's land with booby traps and snipers and all sorts of awful stuff. So the plot is essentially these two really young lance corporals are given a task by their general to deliver a message to a battalion sort of further up the line, not to attack, not to walk into this trap. And one of the lance corporals has a brother in that battalion. So it becomes very emotional for him and they know what they're doing by giving him the task. They're sort of setting up this emotional blackmail to do it. That's it. That's all you need to know. That is the plot. And it literally, it's a one-shot film. I mean, not completely. It's sort of eight-minute scenes all stitched together. But it is incredible the way they've done it. There's loads of stuff on YouTube which you can watch to kind of find out more. But yeah, it just follows these two lance corporals as they make that journey from the line down here to the line up there. Oh, wow. That's it. That's all you need to know. There's basically no backstory to these characters. You don't even really find out much about the main character until, I would say, the last 20 seconds of the film. Because none of it's important. Plot is key. Plot is king. However, let me now read this review that I've promised you and not delivered. So Ali Plum said, The simplicity may not be to your taste. You may well want more depth, more detail, more colour... But as I said before, that would unpick what makes this film so special. Saving Private Ryan, this is not. You'll have to accept this film for what it is. A beautiful, most impossibly impressive triumph of technical skill and emotional power. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, wow. I mean, it's very well written and I think it does sum it up perfectly. It's absolutely captivating. They sort of set it up, that whole bit that I've just told you about the plot. They set that up within the sort of first 15, 20 minutes and then you're on the journey. And from then on, I mean, the cinema was just silent. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but the cinema is one of the places that really pisses me off the most. Yeah, me too. <laughs> People just don't know how to behave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this was a completely different experience. Everyone was just absolutely enthralled. And when I was saying about sex education and the actors not being recognisable, it's the same effect here. So the two main parts of the two Lance Corporals are played by two actors, George Mackay and Dean Charles Chapman, who you might have seen in very various other sort of really small indie films, or like Dean Charles Chapman had a very small part in Game of Thrones. So you might know them, but on the whole you probably won't. And Sam Mendes said that was deliberate because he wanted these to be two faces among millions to sort of evoke that whole kind of faceless World War One, you know, millions of casualties kind of thing. But they're both extraordinary. I mean, I had seen George Mackay at the mm. theatre, so I sort of knew that he was really capable, but he just blew me away in this film. He's great. And it's a really important film and it stayed with me. I actually saw it now probably ten days ago. And there's not been a day since where I haven't thought about wow. it.
2: And Colin Firth's in it as well, right? Yeah,
3: well there's there's a whole host actually, having said that the two main parts are not recognizable, <laughs> there are a peppering, shall we say, of household names throughout it. So Colin Firth plays the general that gives them the task. Mm. Benedict Cumberbatch plays the colonel who is in charge of the eventual attack that they're trying to prevent. Andrew Scott also has a little Hot scene priest. Hot Hello. Priest <laughs> you didn't want to see it before <laughs> I'm yeah. excited um, yeah.
0: yeah it's incredible
3: don't have
1: any more to ask, no. ask well,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those films that if I say much more it's going to give an awful lot away there's yeah, a yeah, huge yeah. twist around sort of 35 40 minutes in which okay. you don't see what I didn't see coming at all and you can't believe when it's happened you're just like oh okay oh, wow okay. I Campbell didn't expect that no. twist uh, yeah nor did I um, very long no average time Good. two hours pretty much yeah. and honestly okay. the time will fly by because the tension Mm. is always 100% so you won't notice it I promise like I said if you want films that are full of character and intrigue and depth and you know lots of layered plots Mm. then maybe it's not one for you but I would still urge anyone who sort of thinks it might not be for them Mm. to just give it a go because Sam Mendes says this in a lot of the promotional interviews we're in a real danger of forgetting these things as they move further back into history And it just really brings it home to you what these people went through Mm. ultimately and how we should just never forget any of that. Like Mm. it should be front of our minds all the time. Agreed.
1: Speaking of things you have to see, we wrote a feature on the exhibitions to look forward to in 2020. So whether that is the Alice in Wonderland Curiouser and Curiouser exhibition at the V&A or the Andy Warhol exhibition that's coming to the Tate Modern, we have everything you need to book for the year ahead Harriet, I'm going to come to you first. What are you looking forward to exhibition-wise for 2020?
3: I definitely think Alice in Wonderland will be up there. I think the VNA in recent years, we can all agree, has really come into its own I would say maybe in the last five years. I'd say any time after McQueen, yeah. They've really hit it on the head when they come to these sort of big blockbusters. They really know what they're doing and they know how to sort of capture, I think, imagination. You know, sort of a crowd pleaser, Mm. isn't it? So yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what they've done with
1: that. So just to clarify, when it says that it's an exhibition about Alice in Wonderland, they've basically curated 300 objects across film, performance, fashion, art, music and photography that are all representative of, well I guess it's the book isn't it, the storybook, mm-hmm. um, so, and that's everything from Dali to the Beatles apparently.
3: Yeah so it's going to be quite eclectic. I think if you went to the British Library a few years ago to see the Harry Potter exhibition that they did it was a sort of similar vibe I think I mean in that exhibition they did have a lot of original material from J.K. Rowling but they also collated from the archives of that library lots of things which either she used for influence or sort of relate to the books, relate to the subject whether it's ancient magic or whatever. So I'm sort of thinking it'll probably be along the same lines. Mm. It'll be an interesting one. I think sometimes these exhibitions can be in danger of being reduced to like an excuse to trot things out that they sort of have no reason to trot out mm. anywhere else. <laughs> and if they can find a link to Alice in Wonderland, then, then brilliant, let's put it in. But I'm going to
2: reserve judgment. I'm yeah. definitely going to go.
1: Agreed. And as you say, they know what they're doing, yeah. don't they? Leah, what about you? You went to see Tim Walker last weekend.
2: Yes, I did. I've been greatly anticipating going to that exhibition at the V&A because one of his it must have been about 10 maybe 8 years ago he did an amazing exhibition at Somerset House which was basically an installation of all of the objects from his shoots and his kind of and the sets that he has created these amazing kind of magical fairyland fashion landscapes but this was something slightly different and it was more just an exhibition of his work and each room was incredible the way that they laid it out some of the rooms had Beautiful kind of pink floral three d wallpaper, and then some like an amazing carpet, so almost the journey that you go through when you walk through the exhibition was something so magical as well, and you kind of really get into his mind and it was amazing actually I prefer more of his fashion stuff than some of his more recent work is slightly more artistic and there's a replication of the Bayer tapestry which is a bit weird in my opinion <laughs> but yeah I love his sort of romance more romantic pieces um, but I'm really excited to see Andy Warhol at the Tate Lewis and I went to see his exhibition in November in New York at the Whitney in 2018 and it was absolutely incredible one of the best I've been to recently so that's coming to the Tate in March which I'm really looking forward to seeing
1: I also saw it at the Whitney and it was brilliant everything that you want from Warhol was in that exhibition yeah from the soup cans to Marilyn Monroe to the most incredible early photography there was one in particular that I remember which when he was first starting out there was a socialite that he was a really good friends with and he took her into a passport photo booth in a New York subway station had her take a load of photos and then he blew them up in that kind of Marilyn Monroe style it's like the size of the wall in here all the different colors and it just like lived in her house and this is before I think he did it for free but Mm. it really is a journey through kind of all his work and I think Particularly Warhol for people who aren't necessarily, I mean, art can obviously mean a lot of things, but if you've got, you know, whether it's a boyfriend in tow or children that you want to get interested, Warhol is a really good entry point into the art world for that because you know if those are not people who are gonna go and look at Renaissance paintings yeah. or modern art or whatever it may be, Warhol is fun and colourful yeah. and feels relevant because he was, you know, an American living in the 20th century. Yeah. So I really recommend it for all the family almost.
2: I agree and I think especially kind of getting children into art, he uses, you know, particularly like a lot of mixed media and things like that. So I think it's something that you could probably take your kids home and then go home mm-hmm. and sort of try to replicate it. It was the same when I went to see Oliver Ellison, that was at the Tate as well. And there were so many children there and that was very much a sort of interactive you know there's a lot of light installations and water movement and you know it is a great day out for the family or for sort of anyone however much of an interest you think you have in art mm, agreed another one that I'm really excited to see um is Picasso and paper
1: at the RA I didn't know this before but Picasso didn't just paint he did a lot of stuff with paper and I missed the Anthony Gormley exhibition at the RA towards the end of last year and I'm so irritated with myself that I did that and actually I saw Klimt Sheila there towards was the end of 2018, which I loved. I just think it's such a great gallery. They pick artists again who you wouldn't necessarily have on your kind of primary radar, obviously Picasso, but you know, work of his that is less obvious and make it really interesting and relatable. So, yeah, excited to see that. The other one, if you've got men in your life who aren't necessarily interested in art in its traditional sense, then there's also a Stephen Queen exhibition at the Tate Modern coming up from the 13th of Feb, which takes a look at his years and years worth of films.
3: Yeah, I hadn't realised that he'd won the Turner Prize in '99. Yeah. I might actually put that on my list. I think also what you're saying about men, it's another thing, isn't it, that Steve McQueen is relatively young, he's alive, he's still making work. So Mm -hmm.
1: it's probably a really accessible one as well. I think so too. Well, if you want more recommendations on the new exhibitions that you should absolutely be booking ahead of time, then have a look at the piece on the site. Okay, a bit of food chat now. Did you know that each year... 7.1 million tonnes of food waste ends up in UK landfill, which obviously costs the average family hundreds of pounds and the government millions more. It seems to be a regular topic of conversation here at Shearlux when you should be paying attention to sell by dates and when you shouldn't. So we thought we'd write a feature that debunks or gives you the cold hard reality of it. So from refrigerated foods to store cupboard essentials. If you're ever in doubt about when you should be getting rid of something, then We've got the feature for you. I'm going to start by asking you guys, how paranoid are you,
2: Lou? I know your answer yeah. when it comes to eating food in and around the subway date. Yeah, I am really paranoid. For those that don't know, I've got a really bad phobia of being sick. So I kind of go into overdrive with topics like this and much to the annoyance of anyone else around me that it's probably fine eating it. But I'm like, please don't eat it because you might be sick. <laughs> I would say in general, though, you can kind of tell from looking at it. Like, I know one of the things on this list is salad. Nothing kind of makes my stomach turn than opening a bag of like rocket that's or spinach that's mm. gone sort of soggy and Oussy. yeah oh. smells so much and even if it's in the cellboy date but it's been open a little bit and it's just got wet and damp and gross so no I'm actually really anal about cellboy dates but to be fair we kind of tend to do store cupboard big shops and then top up with things that are fresh in the cupboard so we actually really don't throw away that much mm. so i don't feel too guilty about my habit and also because you don't eat meat and fish yeah. and a huge amount of dairy yeah that probably eliminates
1: your risk of yeah of doing that too yeah, yeah. 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 yeah the right person to be vegan becky what
0: about you I'm pretty laid back on mm-hmm. stuff like this I have to say like Lou said if it looks like it's funny or if it smells funny then I obviously wouldn't touch yeah. it with a yeah. Hole. and I have cracked an egg before and it has literally been black and then obviously oh, you know, oh, you know in situ and that's been in date. but in situations wow, like that really? you just don't go near yeah, it so it be black egg, would you? <laughs> But I would say Harry's had Compilobacter twice, is which that? is literally food poisoning, like d- d- but d- d- severe. D- severe. Mm. And it was from salad the second oh, time. Fascinating. And that's the one thing on this list that I just wouldn't mess about wow. with. Wow, so salad as in there wasn't any like meat or fish in the salad. They did say it could have been how it was prepared because they think yeah. it was from where we ate. But the doctor said that salad last summer was a real thing for Compilobacter mm. and that stomach is so issues. so interesting. Because it's it's a really easy place for bacteria to harbour. So that's the one thing even though i'm sure it would be fine i am so wary because wow, that's
1: the thing i would so probably be wary. the most
0: lax about yeah, and i would please. imagine it maybe a chef had it put his fingers on it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. my but dad had it a really, really bad
2: case of that and it oh. was someone not washing their hands after yeah. going to into the toilet oh. and putting oh. salad you know together. when it right. so puts you off generally so yeah. if i
0: even smell a salad that's a bit funny i'm like yeah. i can't go near that no, absolutely no so but yeah generally i'm a bit like meh would you eat fun. a sandwich
2: that was going off that day well that day yes, yeah i would
0: absolutely I've had an egg sandwich that's gone off that day and
1: I've still (laughs) gone through with it. I would do something like that the next day.
2: Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Even if it
0: was
1: fish. Yeah. 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 Wow. Not, also, if it, not if it was warm, but okay. it's like a bin in the fridge.
3: Yeah, okay. it's been, well, I think that's the crux of this feature, yeah. Actually, yeah. isn't it? Storage is key. Yeah. If you followed all the right rules, then generally you can extend the life of something quite safely. Mm. Yeah.
0: And I used to work at a
2: fishmongers,
0: but fish is surprisingly like that lasts. Really? That
2: really does I'm last. I'm one of those irritating people that when they go to the supermarket will like go to the very back to make sure I've got something with the longest really? life. Even if it's like within two days, I'm like oh, it's making me a bit nervous. It really annoys me when a cardo comes and they've sent me something that goes on the oh, That isn't That is a Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, fish,
1: I wouldn't cook a piece of fish or eat an egg that had gone off. I have to say, my dad will eat things up to, I mean, we're talking like a pack of prawns yeah. even, like a week after the day on the thing. He doesn't like yeah. any of it. He just literally doesn't believe it. And, and he, I've never touched wood. I've, never, I've, never, I've, never, I've never, never ever known him to have any Yeah, yeah. some, some, yeah, some people. Yeah. Got yeah. Mm. I think yeah. fish
0: thing. specifically is one of those things people will be wary of. But actually, I
1: do think you'd be surprised at how well it keeps. Yeah, sorry. I don't think it's to do with his system. Really? No, not at all. Absolutely not. I think it's to do with just knowing how to keep food Mm -hmm. and knowing what you can and can't mess around with. Yeah. The fish issue is an interesting one because in the research for it, we found out that actually you should
3: freeze most of your fish before you eat it anyway yeah because it kills off a lot of sort of hidden parasites and hidden bugs that might be in it just through pure nature mm. there's not really been anything wrong with it and then you can defrost and use whenever you want yeah so, there are yeah. some handy tips in there that i was not aware of well go on tell us more
1: what else did you learn when you were writing <laughs> a piece
3: i learned interestingly that when you keep leftovers for instance it's a more complicated issue because it depends what you're sticking in the freezer really depends on what's gone into that dish mm. so if it's got dairy in it for example then you should probably only keep it up to a month whereas if it's just a pack of raw fish fillets they can probably keep for up to three to six months Mm -hmm. so you know if you've cooked something and then frozen it as opposed to freezing the raw ingredients that can be a really different Mm -hmm. issue but I'm not paranoid at all I'm probably like your dad I just eat stuff like two weeks out of date and I've never ever <laughs> had an issue. And I agree with you Becky, like you just be sensible. If the bag of salad is swimming in gungy liquid, then <laughs> don't I eat God, it. that makes me feel God. unwell. Don't yeah. eat it.
1: What but, about eggs? Oh, I've eaten eggs like ten days out of date. Wow. Basically yeah. what I do do with eggs is I do that floating test. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you fill it with, is it cold water? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. It, and if it floats then you don't want it. You don't yeah. want it. Yeah. No. So, yeah. So I will do that and yeah. I am kind of trust that.
3: I think it probably just comes from the fact that at one time was like a starving journalist in London and just couldn't afford to be throwing food away if I didn't happen to use it so no I was testing boundaries for a really long time and I think it's now just habit I just I'm aware potentially of what my own body can Mm. sort of deal with and also you know general foods that I sort of eat on repeat I know Mm. kind of roughly how long
2: they'll last as long as they're stored right so what about milk milk i think is a sniff test definitely definitely, definitely. yeah i yeah. think yeah but that
0: lasts quite it a does last it does last way, way the thing. other day i think yeah. it
2: depends if it's whole milk or if it's skinny milk and also if it's oat milk or yeah, yeah plant-based no, yeah. milks yeah. i think plant-based actually, actually yeah, lasts a last, long, last long, long time, time. Yeah. yeah but yeah i think always when people kind of drink straight from the carton or whatever oh, and you're like you haven't smelled that or checked it yeah. and it's lumpy <laughs> and it's kind
1: of gristly, yeah. god yeah. let's talk about the store cupboard now i like how you put a thing on chocolate in this harriet we've always like historically laughed here because we get any. Easter bunny here every Christmas the, you know the lint chocolate bunny right. and I'll eat mine in like day one and then I'll pick at everybody else's until like November December which I like I'm good with but historically I've received quite a lot of flack for um, eating <laughs> some, like, old chocolate I think chocolate just like doesn't go off yeah and the good news is you're right basically
3: what from is? the research <laughs> it's definitely happened to me if I've got old chocolate just lying around in the cupboard and I take it out and it's sort of got like a white, white white film dot yeah. on it I'll eat that it's yeah. perfectly yeah. safe There's, There's just, air is I, yeah.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't mind eating that but I don't think it tastes as good I think you yes. can tell it tastes a bit skanky. It's got and a I think bubbliness to it. Completely. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to indulge or you're going to have some chocolate, like have proper nice chocolate rather yeah. than old chocolate. <laughs> Finally, what about bread?
0: I do not like old bread. If I see a bit of blue mold on bread that's going out, I oh, couldn't do that. You wouldn't just chuck that slice? Even I've done it before where I've cut a bit off, mm. but then I still feel very peculiar about <laughs> eating yeah. that okay. slice. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Completely. The mentality in that. I'd probably do it if I didn't have another loaf yeah <laughs> but it would make me feel a bit mentally that's not okay, okay.
3: harriet you know what i'm gonna say yeah you do yeah too. i'd cut the bit off and i'd eat the rest yeah yeah, yeah. i that's mean that's why i yeah. like cheese yeah. yeah oh with yeah. cheese yeah i think it depends when you get it out the bag or the bread bin you know if it's gone hard honestly just slice the end off yeah. and it's like new
1: underneath <laughs> so many people will just throw the whole lot away and i just think yeah, yeah it's, it's a waste, waste. Yeah. yeah right just on the topic of food. Wasted. I know we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but it's something that I'm now really starting to notice. I'm really making a concerted effort to use up my leftovers. Does everyone feel the same? It's just, yeah. It does niggle, doesn't it, these days?
2: And I think it's just planning ahead as well and kind of thinking about... I often do this when we'll like go to a big shop and I'll be like, actually, how many evenings am I home this mm. week? So therefore, how many times will I have to actually cook dinner? And then you can kind of think about it a little bit more. Yeah.
1: I no longer buy protein in my weekly shop. So that's my way of, get, of trying mm-hmm. to reduce the waste. So my weekly shop is like all mm. my... essential. And That's then, such a good tip. Yeah. So, like tonight, for example, I've got everything I need for whatever I want to eat yeah. apart from fish or meat. So, I'll just pick that up at some Yeah. Like mm. okay.
0: And a lot of the time, I try to, this sounds quite extreme, not always, but I try to buy my lunches and have dinner early in the day and then not in the evening so I'm not wasting food because I get home so late often that I mean, then when you, you have your dinner at work? Sometimes if I can eat at like four <laughs> and then <just laughs> some toaster. Like, this is so sad. <laughs> no, this,
1: isn't, dinner, this isn't like a pity story. So, <laughs> you only eat have
0: sample. two meals? No, I'd have like another snack when i got hurt. that's actually really clever but i just don't like getting back and then feeling like i've got to eat really late and if i can't eat it all it just sits yeah and we always saying like yeah. you're sat here and you're like okay i'm gonna get home at eight and then i have to start cooking yeah and it's just a waste of an evening yeah. i mean don't don't pity I me guys so it's so clever. not all the time so just, what what at your desk for just like a, sometimes a salad and a soup you know Whatever does that's me, so i <laughs> But that's why when I go shopping, I would plan that out so that you're not yeah, wasting yeah, food. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a good way of because obviously
1: knowing. that can be quite expensive. You can end up yeah. buying
0: so
3: kind of two lots it. of food, and also
0: you're day. buying your dinner and then not eating it, and
1: that's yeah. a waste. Yeah.
3: Well, so. an so. oldest trick in the book as well is obviously whatever you don't eat for dinner, put it in a takeaway, bring yeah. it for lunch, so you can, lunch. can bear it.
1: It's true. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I'm feeling quite inspired to go and use up my fridge. I've got a salad from Friday night that has some seared tuna in it. Is that got to go? You'll be no, I that. Would you?
0: Yeah, I eat that. So it's
1: basically Absolutely
3: not. There's a lot said for psychosomatic kind of yeah, stuff so yeah, you know if it's going to make you not feel settled yeah, or right, feel right, well right. don't Anyone do can it tell me after, yeah. i'll be fine yeah. it's in my head exactly yeah. it's, not, it's it. not for me to stand there and say you know you're a bad person <laughs> for throwing it away yeah. i just personally wouldn't do it myself but good tip good tip
1: we're going to talk now about thank you letters we wrote a list of five modern rules for saying thank you in writing because some perhaps consider this an archaic tradition. Lou, I'm going to come to you
2: first. Do you still write thank you letters? Yeah, I love a thank you letter. To be fair, I say yes. I definitely don't do them as regularly as I should. But when I do, I feel really pleased with myself and reminded that receiving one is the most lovely thing. Mm. Therefore, I should do it more often. And I actually, this is so terrible. I went to the theatre with a friend in November and bought a card straight away and it's literally still sat in my handbag. And I'm still going to send it because I think better late than never. But yeah. So that was going to be my question. We all know that
1: we should write to say thank you if somebody's bought us a present or, you know, whatever, it's your wedding or something like that. But do you still write to say thank you for other occasions? What are the kind of boundaries for things you say thank you for in writing?
2: It's not necessarily always a thank you that, you know, you've given something or I think there's been a few times where someone has been such an incredible friend to me or they are having a tough time and I just want to let them know that either I'm there for them or I'm so grateful for them being there for me and I think writing to someone kind of out of the blue, not via WhatsApp, having something that they can keep and kind of take them a bit off guard, I think is really special Mm. and underrated.
3: Mm -hmm. I agree. Harriet, you're not doing? Yeah, I mean I wrote this feature and never has there been more debate between myself, Laura and Georgie Mm -hmm. over what should go into this feature because it's very clear that people feel very differently about it I think the general consensus if you can reach one is that sort of what Lou's just said which is that it's really got to be about the emotional gravitas behind something rather than the expense of something or whatever which can be a bit glib but for instance we all have birthdays and god willing we'll all have another one this year or next so if someone has you know given me a really nice albeit fairly sort of standard birthday present yeah I'll probably just drop them on whatsapp to say thank you But for instance, after my best friend got married a year and a bit ago, I wrote to her parents to say thank you because they technically invited me to the wedding and paid for everything and it was a really lovely evening and I know that it would mean a lot to them to have you know a guest of their daughter's wedding write to them to say what a lovely evening it was and like you've said they can hold on to that note for a long time it will probably go into their sort of emotional kind of package around that occasion so to me the most important thing is to read the occasion Mm -hmm. and understand what you're saying thank you for I I do that after every wedding
1: I go to I write to the parents to say thank you
2: can I say would you write to the parents if it wasn't funded by
1: parents no No. I'd write to the person you yeah. would have paid for the wedding it took okay. bit yeah. more crassly and I'd always kind of done it but not kind of that consistently and then when I got married myself and a couple of friends did that for my parents I really yeah. noticed A, how much they appreciated but I really appreciate. I think even probably more than my parents really appreciated that they had done that and taken mm. the time to do that so even if it is kind of for convention's sake I don't think it really matters kind of what the motives are I just think it's
2: particularly for that older generation it's a nice thing to do but I do think if you're going to go to the effort of getting a card writing a card sending a card write something proper Mm. like nothing annoys me more even it's the same with Christmas cards where I literally get a dear Lou Merry Christmas from so and so Mm. like what is the point in that I think Mm. you need to put something personal in there otherwise why not just earn awards
1: and I think people are quite good at that now like it's rare that I get a thank you card that doesn't have some kind of personal element mm. the thing is that it's difficult like when we did all our thank you cards for our wedding you know if a friend of somebody's parents have come or you know if one of Ben's parents friends were there who I don't necessarily know particularly well and they've given you a check or something you know something kind of relatively as you were saying it's something kind of generic it is quite difficult to muster up some kind of mm. personal element to it so I think people are quite quick to judge on that but actually sometimes you just got to write the note and you've just got to make it clear that you're saying thank you and and that's all you have to say a good tip for me is always just to thank people for being so generous
3: that's Mm. like a good way of saying you know this gift was fairly generic but i appreciate that you didn't have to give me money you didn't have to help me out here And you did. I Um, always do a kind of, oh yes, we're
1: plotting how to spend it already. Some kind of smiley face thing. You you can have personality and character in it without it being hugely personal, Absolutely.
0: Becky, do you send thank you cards? Yeah, and I think I can't say anything that nobody else hasn't already said but I think it's really important sometimes and I think whenever I've received one it's always been very touching Mm. and I think I kind of agree with Lou. If you're going to send something I actually do think it should be quite personal and I do think it should be quite fleshed out because I think you can always tell when someone really means something. It comes across so much more. Meaningful, mm. so I would definitely only do it when I really, really feel the need. Mm-hmm. I do with with PRs as well because I think there are so mm. many things that we forget to thank and how generous yeah. PRs yeah. can be. Like I send flowers sometimes yeah, if, if they've really go, hooked me up. Well, something. I, do, I know when yeah. I went to Soleil last week and I had the best time with Mac Cosmetics and like I'm absolutely going to thank them for mm-hmm. it because I think things Like that, are so generous yeah, that yeah. you should sort of really give back. Definitely. Even just a note. And I know that if it was me and I received something, I'd yeah. be like, me, like mm. they've
1: really thought about that. Also, so, And it does happen vice versa. You know, yeah. also I'll get a handwritten note from somebody saying, Thank yeah. you so much for including our yeah. brand. Yeah. yeah, and I it just, just feels
0: think... so, yeah, it's like, Oh my God, you read mm. that and you took the time to then yeah. write about it. That's so me. true. It's so, so it's fine. And then, kind of, whatever industry you're in, yeah. it's proof that it's, it's a work thing as well. And actually, like, if you'd asked me this when I was younger, I would have been like, Meh. But now I'm like, It's so special to receive a hammer. No, I think it's lovely. I
1: agree. Okay, so, Harriet, on your list of modern rules, you included be aware of timing. So, mm. basically, try and get it done within a fortnight. Lou. Yeah, sorry. Um <laughs> Set good habits for the whole family. I think we probably all had that yeah. where we were forced to sit mm. and write them, which does set you up well for later life, doesn't it? Write them for young children. Again, I would imagine that that's, you know, that's a two year old can't be. I yeah. can't be expected <laughs> yeah. to do it myself. Interesting that size isn't everything made your list. So I suppose the point is that something is better than nothing, which mm. is your last point as well. So yes. basically, better to write a quick note than it is to, to be silent.
3: Yeah, and I don't think it's worth sitting there beating yourself up, knowing that you or your children aren't going to write 20 thank you letters for Christmas. Like, it's just not going to happen. And so you just abandon the idea altogether. You know, we're lucky that we live in an age where communication is sort of, so sort of pluralistic, you can say thank you any sort of way. So, you know, and your friends, if they're good enough friends, they'll probably know that about you already. So, you know, to drop them a a WhatsApp, even if it is, you know, six weeks, eight weeks down the line, just to say, I haven't forgotten, it's just been a busy start, but... You know, I just wanted to say how much it meant. Mm. I think that still goes some way to
1: making sure that you've got that box ticked. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, additionally, we added some gorgeous stationery into this feature. So obviously we all love a bit of Papier for thank you cards. But there's some brands I hadn't heard of here, like Honey Tree, really nice. Honeytreepublishing.com, Smysons, obviously, and Hip Hip Hooray, which does gorgeous personalized children's stationery. So do have a look at the feature on the site for our favorites, plus all of those tips. Okay, we're going to talk now about underwear because I don't know about you guys, I am so bored of the usual high street underwear brands. No offense, they all do the job very well. But if you are looking for something a little bit different, we wrote a feature on the six lesser known lingerie brands to have on your radar. So I find that the high street doesn't always cater for the kind
2: of underwear I want to wear. Do you agree? And where do you buy your underwear? I completely agree. I probably shouldn't be admitting this, but there's like three bras that I wear on rotation and it's been years I would say wow yeah, yeah. and just three they're special ones yeah, yeah, but yeah. for an everyday comfortable bra mm. I'm super flat-chested and probably don't really need to wear one, but I do. And I actually really struggle to find on the high street something that is comfortable and supportive and I can wear every day, but is also pretty. Yeah. And I know there are a lot of those sort of bralette styles, but often... I find them like too lacy a little bit itchy they they get destroyed in the wash yeah completely mm. it looks great you know when you have like a little bit poking out under a t-shirt but sometimes you don't want that mm. so Gap always used to be my like absolute go-to but they have changed their styles at the moment I don't like a cross back I'm quite fussy yeah. I at least want to feel super comfortable so I just haven't been able to find something else well I've got a recommendation for everyone which I don't think we actually did put on this list but Sunspell is where I've
1: been going for my yeah. show right now oh, um, also I do not like real bras You can email me all you want about the benefits of them but i do not like underwiring i do not like cups i'm only comfortable in a t-shirt bra yeah well i actually wear a lot of calvin klein bras as well and anyway Sunspell is a british brand who do really good basics and i basically wear their cotton crop top type bralettes and they are so comfortable so supportive and keep being on sale for like 25 pounds oh really yeah i cannot recommend them enough and i'm gonna buy their knickers now soon as well okay good to know harriet becky I'm going to be honest with you
0: I'm a bit like Lou I don't invest in bras I know how bad that is like being in health and beauty I think it's a faff isn't it it's Mm. a real faff to go and get measured to find your size but if there's one place I always get my underwear and I feel like this sounds a bit old school but I always go to M&S yeah M&S pants Rosie for autograph her underwear line is so good I find her bras incredibly comfortable okay and it's still
1: a proper bra and it's still a proper bra and Mm -hmm. you
0: feel like because I also love pretty underwear genuinely Mm. I would actually invest in pretty mm-hmm. underwear but I do resent paying 50 pounds for a piece of string okay. so like if I'm going to invest in terms of comfort and supporting yeah. me I would go somewhere like M&S also they have Got loads it. in there
2: yeah, just if you do. want like mm-hmm. something
0: basic mm-hmm. yeah
2: it's a bit standard but it's you know another high street brand that is really good is under the stories if yeah. you are looking for something a little bit prettier yeah but in terms of support I don't think it's going to give you that
0: and yeah. sizing is so tricky in there I think it comes down to size doesn't it because you can be a size whatever somewhere, then you go to Bravissimo or whatever, and they tell you are like an F. So it's just, I think shopping for underwear is become yeah. really I mean, I have difficult.
1: to say, that's why I don't even wear size bras. Yeah. I, I
0: know, it's almost American. better to just do what suits yeah. you.
3: Harriet, what about you? Yeah, I'm sort of the complete opposite, I think, to everyone. <laughs> which You've is, got boobs. I've got boobs. <laughs> I'm an E-cup, I'm a 34E, and I've been in a bra since I was 11 years old, if you can believe it. So I developed really early... And yeah, it's not easy. Like when you're that young and you're the only one in your class wearing a bra, it can be a bit traumatic. And I certainly have felt the pain over the years, emotionally speaking, of having to hunt down, you know, the right thing. And it's not as easy as I mean, I've done it all. I've done m all the way up to like proper fittings at Rigby and Pella to try and find something that was comfortable. Interestingly enough, the thing that I have found that suits me best, I can't say that it's going to work for everyone, is the Rosie for Autograph line. Mm. So what I like is I have to have an underwire. Mm -hmm. I can't get by without one. But I don't want to be in an underwire that makes me look like something out of 1955. Mm -hmm. So... The rosy line has that sort of, for me, at least perfect balance between pretty sort of vintage feel with an underwire with a proper moulded cup. I mean, I'm shocked how many times I'll pick up a bra in my size in an E cup, which you can imagine is not small and it's padded.
1: Mm. I do not need more volume.
3: I mean, I'm sure there are girls out there who want as much as they can get. And, you know, you do you. That's great. I feel like less and less that's on trend. Yeah. Yeah. There are that many. I think we're speaking to a very specific demographic Mm. there. Whereas, yes, I agree. The majority of us just want something that fits us as we are, mm-hmm. and doesn't necessarily need to enhance or flatten or anything. So for me, the brilliance of the rosy cup is that it's moulded. So you don't get any kind of, sometimes if I wear something that's too thin, things like poke through and it shows and it's not flattering. So a moulded cup gives me the right shape without the padding, an underwire for Support, but the design is still feminine, still mm. flattering, still sort of got that vintagey, mm. pretty look. And it's affordable.
1: And it is amazing how rare that still seems to be to yeah. come by. We hear that mm. a lot from people, that it is difficult to find all yeah. of those things in a larger size cup. Let's talk about knickers. I really feel like growing up has really taught me, like, what I really am not prepared to compromise in, in a pair of knickers. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very specific. I also need quite large coverage. So I go to Victoria's Secrets for mine, but I wear, like... They have to be giant. They have to come up to my belly button and cover my whole bum and that is the only way I'm comfortable. Anything else, I'm literally uncomfortable all day and as you say, Victoria's Secret, you know you get all those ones in the drawers so they've got high rise pair that are like the only ones that I'll wear, and they're my favourite. Well,
0: I don't mind a song to be honest oh, if we're gonna so go awesome. there, I literally, but <laughs> I would say that anyone that's like, I find them so much more comfortable, I'm like, No, you lying, don't, yeah, not absolutely. a thing. But in terms of day to day, I would possibly prefer to wear one so that you can't see it through my jeans. I feel like that's do you really thing. care? Yeah, oh, I do you really care? Hang on see what, on what do you mean?
2: Me? How G- thin are your jeans? Genuinely, I go okay. back, you like to wear pants that you just hope people can't see through your no, jeans. No, 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 just wear a thong, yeah, so people can't see her through I would consider that you
0: honestly care? Yeah I do a bit anyway that's a personal sure. thing but I do also know what you mean there are days I think I vary mm. I like a thong but I also do like coverage and I do think there's something mm. to be said for a full knicker that yeah. makes you feel very held in very comfortable yeah exactly very and yeah. nice and supportive and I still don't think there's
1: many options for really pretty ones of those I, was, I don't really care about pretty see yeah it's interesting that everybody keeps talking about pretty yeah, I, I know, never think about pretty No, I like I to feel sporty for, I think the
3: pretty thing for me comes from like childhood trauma because you know we're talking 20 years ago and at that time on the market there were like nothing Mm. you know and all of my friends it was heartbreaking they would go into like top shop and Mm. buy some flimsy as Becky just said like piece of string for like 10 pounds and be like oh I've got a bra and I'd be like that's not a bra (laughs) like you're deluded Mm. if you think that that's what I'm going through And, and it was always the same with like swimwear and stuff like that all of my friends could just buy bikinis off the shelf and like whip it on and just look fantastic and I'm like I've got to go somewhere which is sort of At that time, it felt like it was almost clouded in quite a lot of shame. It was like in a back room somewhere in a a department store that no one my age was shopping in. So I'm glad that there's been a bit of a sea change in that respect. Mm. But I think for that reason, I've got a very like conscious tick in my head about it's got to be feminine. It's got to be nice because Mm. I deserve...
2: To have that experience, yeah, so. it is also mad to think like how many women there are in the world and how different everyone's body shape yeah. is. How can like a bra possibly fit yeah. everyone? Like, yeah. I think yeah. Topshop used to have one size.
3: Yeah. that was yeah. it.
1: it. It said on the label one size, and I was just used to find that absolutely crazy. Yes. Yeah. And also, it seems that even though more and more brands keep popping up, there still aren't necessarily catering for everybody. Mm, there no, still seems no. to be a styles.
2: No, I think you kind of have to find, like, do your research, have, like, a horrible day of trying loads on. Yeah. And kind of find the brand that works for yeah. you. And It's true. And then anything that. else
0: is just a nice extra.
2: Okay,
1: I think that's just about all we've got time for today. If you have any feedback at all, please do email podcast at shirlux.com. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Bye-bye.